Amen. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you, worship team, tech team, nursery workers, kids, all y'all. Thank you. Youth are uh, being dismissed in the back there with Miss Jennifer, if you want to slide back there. The rest of y'all, listen up. Did you spend at least five minutes a day, at least five days last week, reading or listening to God's Word? If you did, please say yes. All right. Did you spend a time alone with God with no agenda, meaning that we're not just talking to God to tell him what he needs to do, but we're actually listening? Did you do that? All right, so the next one should be a yes as well. You know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you? Because if you're spending that time listening, he's actually saying something. We just got to pay attention. All right? Did you share Jesus with someone this week? Did you invite someone to church with you today? All right, let's do it. Two weeks ago, we looked at belief. Because um, the modern church, I believe, has uh, created an easy believism, even though salvation is easy. It is. But uh, it's not just good enough to say, I believe. We know the Word of God teaches us the devil believes everything the Christian church does, but he's not saved. The demons believe everything the Christian church says, but they're not saved. So there's something more to just saying we believe, and the more is the fact that if I believe something, I embrace it and live in it. Okay, so the belief in Jesus Christ causes us to engage him and become a follower, which means I become more like him, which is what a disciple is. So don't just say you believe, and please don't just help, let people tell you, oh, I believe in God. Well, what does that mean to you, and what are you doing about it? And if they're not doing anything about it in their life, then they're not truly believing. Church, we've got to know what God's Word says, because there's a saving belief and a non-saving belief. Which one do you have? It's important to know. All right? Then last week, we talked about repentance. It's part of that, Right? As we look at the Word of God, again, we say all of us know people that have said they're sorry because they got caught. They do it all the time. They do it on TV. They do broadcasts. They find out, oops, I shouldn't have said that. Now I'm going to suffer in my wallet, so I'm sorry. They're not really sorry at all. They're sorry they uh, got caught. They're sorry they're being called out, but they haven't repented because they're not changing anything about themselves. Repentance biblically is that we are turning from and turning to. So we're turning from sin, turning to, get, turning to God. There it's important that I would just lay that foundation to where God's taking us today. Because last week as we were doing this, we were talking about this repentance, and then we looked at the churches in Revelation. So Jesus, what the book of Revelation is all about him, it's not about the Antichrist and the beast, tribulation and all that stuff. You do know that, right? It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Some of us have mis-kind of seen that, and we're looking at Revelation as, oh, the story of, it is the story of Jesus and his ultimate victory for us and for the church. So don't lose sight of that while you're trying to interpret prophecy, and we will leave that for another day so I don't get on a rant. So let's go here. In the very beginning there, it all starts off with Jesus giving a revelation to John saying, well, I need you to write some letters to my church. So there's these seven churches. We didn't cover all of them. We're not going to today. Five of the seven churches needed to repent. Remember, this is only 60 years after the ascent of Jesus. And five of the seven churches that he addressed needed to repent or else he was going to remove them. So we, the church probably needs to repent today. That's all I can say. See, the reason for this that we're looking at today and what God wants us to talk about as we share together, is that season of the message of warning and then God's action as a result. So there's this message that comes, and there is a deadline in God's calendar 
But in between the message and the deadline is what is called grace and mercy. See, God, thank God. He doesn't just make the pronouncement and judgment falls or all of us would be in trouble. So when God gives the message, there is a season or a time before the deadline happens. But church, one of the things that we've lost in the grace and mercy season is the reality of the deadline. (laughs) See, there's this season and this time that God gives, but there's a reason for it. He is in that season waiting, seeking, longing for repentance. That's the whole reason there is that season, for the opportunity for change. But there's a deadline. God has a deadline. And when God draws the line and he puts it on the calendar and Jesus said, no one knows but the Father. Jesus said that, remember? When the disciples, he's just about ready to go to heaven. Hey, when's all say, Hey, only the Father knows. Don't worry about that. Just be my witness. So like whatever that day is that God has chosen for the end of all things and the way that he will do it, whatever that is, right now we're in a season of time of grace and mercy, and God has given us an opportunity for repentance. I want to read in Romans 3 for us this morning and see what God is saying to us. Now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. The law being referenced here is the Old Testament Mosaic law. Church, I mean, when you read that verse, Romans chapter 3, and we read that verse, there is a time Uh, Pastor Mike was talking to us up here during worship saying, hey, it's time to engage and celebrate. When we read a verse like that, it says, you don't have to keep the law anymore. God's made a way for us to be righteous. Hey, we ought to celebrate a little bit. Amen. Amen. I mean, like, thank you, God, because you would never make it and I wouldn't make it. If we had to cover and complete the entire law of God, we'd be in trouble. We'd be under a pile of rocks. We wouldn't make it. And the Word of God says, now God has shown us a way to be right with Him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Amen. Amen. So look, church, here's the cool thing. The very one God used to author the law also wrote, hey, there's a hope. There's something coming that's going to set us free from all this and make a way for us to be right with God. Moses himself wrote about that day. The prophets told about it long ago. And church, we're the recipients of this. Man, we ought to be excited and celebrating because we are living in the reality that I don't have to follow the law. I don't have to do any of that stuff. I have Jesus. Thank you, God. Hallelujah is right. Amen. Check it out. So this is how it goes right here. It says, as was promised in the writing of Moses and the prophets long ago, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. No matter who we are. Man, is that awesome? So see, it's talking again. It's important that we get this and how God has led us through that time of understanding what real belief is, understanding what repentance is, because as we read the scripture and it's saying that, hey, we have to put our faith in Jesus Christ, we have to believe on him, we repent, and we enter into this relationship with him, and this saving belief that we're talking about saves us from who we are and how we used to live 
and what is available to us now, and it's not just for an elect group of people. It's for everyone. For God so loved the world that he gave. See, God's his mercy and grace is for everyone. Doesn't matter what social class you're standing in, what financial group you hang with, doesn't matter what color your skin is, it's for everyone. The gospel of Jesus Christ is for every person on the planet. You understand that, church? It's for all those people you don't like. It's for every one of them. It's for you, it's for me. God is so good. He's like, it's for everyone. Understand that there is a free life for everyone. We're going to keep reading. We're not, we're not going anywhere different. Let's, we're going to keep reading in Romans 3. Listen, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. Everyone has. I mean, like, you, you can think you're good enough for God. You can No, everyone has sinned. Look, and it, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Here's this standard, holiness and righteousness, and here we are. And it's like, well, I'm better than so-and-so. Okay, so we'll move you up a rung. You're still down here. And God's righteousness and holiness is here, right? So the best among us, whoever that may be, you know, we're still there. So he tells us, look, we're all falling short of God's standard, but it doesn't end there. Yet God... Continuing reading, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. <laughs> See, the law could not make us right. It couldn't make us holy. It couldn't make us right with God. It showed us the gap between us. The, the, the law showed us that we were in sin and there was no possible way for you and I to live a righteous, holy life. The law pointed that out. And so now God says, here's the deal. When you accept Jesus and you believe on him, he transforms you. And all of a sudden, God brings us to a new level. God brings us to his standard of holiness and righteousness. Isn't that amazing? God does it. Oh, I got chills all over me. I'm like, man, God, that is so incredible that he freely makes us right in his sight. We didn't do any work to get there. We said yes to Jesus. We repented, we believe, and God's like, whoop, now you got it. I see you this way, I see you holy. So before we move on, I just want to say this. If you're a brand new Christian, you're a baby in your faith, God sees you as holy. doesn't matter how everybody sees all the dirt still in your life or how we may see that you need to grow up. Nah, I don't care. doesn't matter what anybody else sees. What matters is what God sees, and God says, I see you as holy. From that moment you say yes and you receive Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in you. He's a holy God, and you are made holy in the sight of God from day one. Man, is that awesome. I mean, it's like nobody else sees us that way. Only God can. So now let's, we're growing, we're maturing. Not, like someone that's over here in grade three is not more holy than that one that just got saved today. They should be more like Christ. And their life should look more holy, but they're not more holy. They are just the same in God's sight, holy and righteous by his amazing work. Man, is he awesome. That's like blesses my heart, man. He did this freely for us through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life shedding 
his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in the present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just. And he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Isn't that awesome? I'm just like, man, God, you're so amazing. So we look at this and it's like grace and mercy at work through God in both the Old Testament and the New. Um, a lot of us see in the New Testament church, now what I mean by New Testament is the Christian church of today that was birthed through Jesus Christ on the day of Pentecost when he sent the Holy Spirit. So in the New Testament church, we see grace and mercy as something new. But it's not anything new. That's who God is. And it's in the Old Testament as well. God's mercy and grace have been active since the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve sinned, he said, you're going to die. You know what? God gave them a season. He covered them with the cloth and he allowed them to live in their sin, only made right through sacrifice, but never being made fully right until Jesus. Right, this, he's amazing. Now when we, we referenced Jonah a few weeks ago, we're going to go there just because it's fresh in our minds and it, like, it, it shows us something critically important for you and I today in this service. I want everyone to know that's watching online and in the house, today is a significant day in your life and in the history of this church and in the kingdom of heaven. And I'm not just saying that lightly. This is a critical day for us. Because I look in God's word and what he's saying. So we all know the story of Jonah. Most of us do. If you went to Sunday school or if you just read your Bible or listened a little bit about church, you know about the great fish story. Pretty much everybody does, right? So God tells Jonah, go and tell Nineveh I'm going to destroy him in 40 days. So remember this now. Nineveh is the capital city of Assyria. Assyria is the growing world power of the day, and they were an evil, wicked people, the king and all of them. They, they were horrible in the way that they, they tortured people and killed them, and they took over nations and destroyed everything. Uh, if you know your history, you know that the Assyrian Empire was one of those brutal empires. So now here's this prophet of God, a Hebrew, knowing God, knowing what's happening with Assyria, knowing who they are, and God says, I want you to go and tell them I'm going to destroy their capital city in 40 days. And Jonah's like, awesome. Destroy them. I'm leaving. And he wouldn't go. He wanted them to die. He knew who they were and what they'd done. And they didn't deserve to live in Jonah's mind. And he wanted God to rain fire from heaven down and destroy that place. And so he took off running for Tarshish. And so as he's going on his journey, you know what happens. God's like, you're not doing this. They need to hear the message. Throw him in the water, swallowed, puked on the shore. Hey, you listening? Are you listening? Right? It's like, I mean, how many times has God got to get our attention? Until we do what he says. So here it is. Um, God calls him back. And as we look into the scripture, um, I'm going to tell you that Jonah did what God said, but his heart wasn't in it. But listen to me. It didn't matter about Jonah or his heart. What mattered was God's word 
and what God was going to do and the people that heard it. God will use anybody. A lot of people that are used by God, I've known pastors that have been used by God to get a message to people who bank their spirituality on what God just did through them. He's like, you're nothing. I don't care about you. I care about them. He spoke through a donkey before, right? We've referenced that. He'll speak through any jackass that he needs to use. (laughs) For real, right? I mean, that's what it is. He'll use any, anything he can to get the word to the right people that need to hear it because he's God and he loves people. Don't bank your spirituality on what God's doing through you. Your spirituality is your relationship with God. That's for me and you both. So now as we listen to this, I want you to know that Jonah was a jackass. He was. He proved himself and he had to be forced to do what God said for him to do. But he does it. I mean, he didn't really have an option, did he? But his heart didn't change. So listen, we're going to jump into Jonah chapter 3 here. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Powerful message, huh? That was it. He didn't tell them to repent. All he said was, You're done. Judgment's coming. You got 40 days. That's it. Now, I don't know what God told him to say. That is the context of what God said. 40 days, I'm going to do this. So God gave Nineveh 40 days. Pretty amazing. Listen to it. The next verse, the people of Nineveh believed God's message. Isn't that awesome? It doesn't say anything about Jonah. It doesn't say they believed Jonah's message. They knew where the message came from. They believed God's message. And from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne, took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. See, church, this is repentance. Listen to it. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Now look, church, I want you to hear this. This is a pagan king. He is not a prophet. He's not a priest. None of these nobles were following God at all, but listen to what they just said. Everyone must turn away from their evil ways and seek God. Interesting. See, this repentance thing, we're looking for the heart of God. We're asking God to return with mercy and grace to us, and therefore there must be a turning to God to receive that. And here is a pagan king filling in the blanks from Jonah, who is just saying God's going to just destroy this place in 40 days. The king's like, hey, we need to repent. We need to stop doing the things we've been doing. We need to turn to God. We need to change in this place. Isn't that awesome? Man, it's so good. Listen, it says, People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop their violence. Who can tell? Their violence. Who can tell? 
perhaps, even yet, God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. <laughs> this pagan king knew something about God. Maybe we can change God's mind. That is an amazing statement right there. <laughs> when God saw that they had done, and now they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind. <laughs> and he did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. Church, is God awesome or what? Seriously, I mean, I'm like, it just blows my mind. It's like God said, here's the date. I got it circled on the calendar. This is when the fire is going to fall. Period. They're like, oh, please, God, don't let it happen. We repent. We're turning. We're changing. We're not like we were yesterday. Today's a new day. We're following your ways. And God's like, okay. And he gets out the eraser. And he erased that mark on the calendar. <laughs> Thank you, God. You're so amazing. Church, see, the change of God's mind was based on the actions of the people. What changed God's mind was in this season, that 40-day period, there was a repentance, a turning, a changing in the lives of the people. And as a result of their actions, grace and mercy of God was extended even further. <sighs> Friends, those of you online in the house, listen. There is judgment coming. We are in a season of mercy and grace. From the day of Pentecost when the end times started... So whenever that day that God has circled on the calendar, when he, Christ will return and all things will be set in the proper order, this is the season of grace and mercy, and you and I are right in the middle of it. We're here. I want to declare to you, church, I, I don't want to declare to you. <laughs> Judgment's coming. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming on the United States of America. If it's not the end times, judgment's coming for us regardless. We own the name of God and we have trampled it in our sin as a nation. The blood of innocent babies. The garbage that's going on. The false teachings in the churches. All the garbage that's going on. Judgment's coming. But church... There's mercy and grace right now. It hasn't happened yet. It's coming. And what we have to do right now, church, is we have to understand what it is that God wants us to do in this season. While we have a chance. While it is still today. Let's keep reading in the book of Jonah for a minute. And then we'll revisit that in just a minute. This change of plans, God's change of plans of not destroying the place, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. You know, it's like crazy when you look at this dude's heart. He's mad at God because God extended mercy and forgiveness. And he's all mad at him. And this is what it says next. So he complained to the Lord about it. I'm just telling you, God does not like complaining. He, 
emphasize that through the wilderness journeys of, of the Israelites back there. If you read the book of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, God doesn't like complaining. So if you're a complainer, stop. Okay, look, it says it right here. And Jonah complained to the Lord about it. And this is his complaint. This is like pretty, it's humorous in a stupid way. It's like you're going to talk about how amazing God is, and that's what your complaint is? But that's his complaint. Listen, didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. So he's making this declaration, God, you're so amazing. You're so merciful and loving and kind and forgiving. It's crazy. That's why I didn't want to go, because I wanted them to die. So listen to the next verse that he says. This is part of his complaint. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. It's like them or me. Pick somebody, but someone's got to die. And he's like, if you don't do what I said, like judgment doesn't fall on that day in the calendar, just kill me. I don't want to face anybody because this is about me after all. It's crazy, isn't it? See, church, listen. This is what Jonah knew about God. It's the same stuff you and I know about him. He's slow to anger. Thank God. Oh, my goodness. Did you and I not deserve the wrath of God? Have you not been willingly stupid? Done stupid things and gone the wrong direction, knowing you were going the wrong direction and not even caring what God thought? Yes, we have. And Jonah's like, oh, you're slow to anger. Thank you, God, for being slow to anger. Thank you, God, for being merciful. Oh, my goodness, man, I don't deserve his mercy. You should have never heard my prayer of repentance. I should have been under a pile of rocks long before then. But in his grace and mercy, God has allowed this time of repentance. <laughs> See, he desires, God desires. Even as Jonah said that, this is, you long for this, God. You long for restoration. You don't want anyone to be destroyed. Isn't that awesome? See, we're getting a glimpse into the heart of God. This is Old Testament. God, you don't want anyone to, to get judged or punished. or You're desiring for them to be made new, made whole. And he's calling for people to repent. However, we already know that God has given us a free will, a choice in the matter. You and I have exercised that choice previous to Christ to say no. And thank God... Since we said yes, we have this incredible relationship with him that he made available to us, but we chose that by his offer, right? You and I have responded to that. That's why we're saved Christian people today. And God has brought us to that moment of repentance, and we have. Free will. So, just as Jesus warned the churches in Revelation, you must repent or I will remove you, it's a choice we have to make. It's a choice we have to make, church. It's a choice everyone has to make. We're going to either choose God's way or we're going to choose our own way. God's way is heaven. Our way is hell. God's not going to say, you're one of mine, you're good, you're bad. I'm throwing you guys where I choose. No, it's where we choose. So now as he gives that warning to the church, either repent or else, God has given that to all humanity. Choose Jesus or else. 
It's your choice. Let's go to 2 Peter 3 for just a moment. Peter's writing to the church through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And as he's writing to us, he's talking to us about that time where God has circled on a calendar. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day to God, right? A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promises. Some people think, no, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. So see that again. I'm going to keep reading it a second. But as we see this, we see grace and mercy, right? So God has a plan for the end. And some people think like, man, it should be happening right now. It should be the end. But the reason it isn't is because his heart is broken for those that are not yet in relationship with him. And so God is, in our view, because we're so time-oriented slow, it should have already happened. I mean, in my human mind, I think judgment should have already fallen on America. Thank God for his mercy that it hasn't happened yet. Listen to the word of God. Listen, he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. See, look, church, there is a deadline. Please hear that. There is a deadline. God has no restraints with time. We're so caught up in it. Like, he's eternal. Therefore, he's like, if it's today, fine. If it's in a thousand years, so what? You, you know, hear me? See, church, it's like, uh, <laughs> uh, whether you believe this or not, or they're in the end times and Jesus is going to return and however you've interpreted your end times belief system, like if you think you're there, no, I mean, I didn't mean that bad. I'm saying like everybody has a thought about it, but I'm saying none of us know. Okay, please know that. None of us know. We have an idea, but don't trust that idea. Trust God, all right? Just leave that alone. We're not going to talk about that right now. I'm saying like if this is the time that God has chosen uh, today, or if it's in a thousand years, it doesn't matter. The truth of the matter is, is that we are absolutely facing the judgment of God as a country. And I mean, you don't have to be a prophet to see that. All you got to know is what God says, what the Bible says, and look around us and it's like, we're in trouble. The United States of America is in trouble. And guess what? That's going to affect me and you because we live here. Now, God's bigger than all that, and he's not like turning his back on you and I as followers of Jesus Christ because our nation has turned their back on him. He loves us, and he's merciful, and he's slow to anger, and he's going to be with us no matter what we have to face. But church, as I look at this, I'm like, man, whatever happens, however it ends, whether it's direct alignment with the end times in America, you know, which I highly doubt. If that happens that way, whatever, either way, God's judgment is coming. We all agree with that, right? 
The judgment of God is coming. There is going to be, do you believe in the Bible? Do you believe it's God's word? It has a lot to tell us about eternity, right? And so we're in a time of mercy and grace. We know that right now. And therefore, the opportunity for repentance and for God to change his mind is available. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We have an opportunity that God will change his mind. He did it for a pagan king. He'll do it for us. That's the heart of God. God doesn't, like, he's not excited to destroy America. He's not. We are choosing to be destroyed by our rejection of him. But God is desiring repentance and wanting people to turn to him. He wants that. He longs for that's who he is. And if we would turn to him, God's mercy will be extended. He has proven himself faithful to the end. He is so, so good. We have that opportunity, church. And so here, like I was telling you, I feel in my heart so strongly about this message today that as, as God is leading us into this moment, here's the question for us. What are we doing in this season of mercy and grace right now? What are we doing? I'm afraid that a lot of people in the church are like, it's too late. Just want to save myself. No, it's not too late. God is merciful and he is not moving quickly because he is slow and is moving in our mind because he's looking for repentance. He loves those people that are lost. He loves those people that are rejected. I rejected him. I willingly did wrong things. He loved me and he accepted me. Don't you think he loves those people you can't stand? He loves them. He died for them. If you're a Republican, I want you to know he loves the Democrats too. And if you're a Democrat, he loves the Republicans too. Do you understand? Church, God loves us and salvation is available for everyone. It crosses the aisle. What do you know? Amazing. He's incredible, isn't he? <laughs> See, so what are we doing in this season of grace and mercy? What are we doing? A pagan king took advantage of that space. And by taking advantage of that, I mean he stepped into God's way of things. And because he did, God changed his mind. I am so blown away that we can change the mind of God. We can. We have an opportunity to change God's mind. He will extend time. He's done it in the past. Read your Old Testament. It's not just that Nineveh did that. He did with his own people in Israel. He relented. He changed his mind. He didn't wipe them out in the desert because one man, Moses, said, please, God, don't do it. If you do, you're going to have to wait me out with them. And he's like, Moses, for you, I'll let them go. Right? Change God's mind. Here we are, we're standing in this moment. And so let's personalize it. What am I doing in this season of repentance, a time of opportunity of repentance in this season of mercy and grace? So we're leading, excuse me, we're leading to this moment where a, a challenge from God has come into my heart to share with you that he shared with me. And uh, I'm super excited about it. 
some time ago, I don't even remember when, I don't even know where or how or anything like that, but this is just what God does because he's amazing. He just put a little something in my heart. I heard, I don't even know where, I just heard this thing, and I was like, well, that, that's cool. I'd like to do that sometime, you know? Had to do with communion. Like, yeah. But it was just there. And uh, God's like, you know, let's, let's move along here for just a minute. <laughs> Riding to church last Sunday. Let me make sure I didn't miss something here because I'm, I can easily get moving in the wrong direction myself. But um, Riding to church last Sunday, I was telling the Lord, I feel like we're in a rut. Not, that doesn't mean that the Spirit of God's not doing stuff. That's not at all. I mean, church, I'm telling you, every single week I tell people, like, you probably don't believe me, but every single time we assemble, both services, the Spirit of God is so tangibly present, and He touches me every time we gather. It's amazing. And He's incredible, and I see lives that are being changed, and I watch as I see what God's doing in people's lives. I'm super excited about what God's doing, so what I'm talking about is I was talking with God. I'm like, Lord, I feel like as a church, we're in this routine where we're going through like the services, etc. We do this, we do this, and we go home and whatever. Okay? I just feel like that way. So I'm like, Lord, I'm one of my core values, I'm committed to change. What do you want to do to disrupt that um thing and do something new? So I was praying that as I was I've been praying it and then I'm praying on my way to church and I sat down. I'm here early. I'm sitting right over there. And my son, Derek, works in the cafe over there, and he came over and sat behind me. He said, Dad, I've been thinking about something, and I, I feel like we need to do another friend day. And I'm like, okay, you know. But there was something when he said it, just like God just planted that in my heart. And I'm like, I'll pray about that, Derek. And so as I began to pray afterwards, I set that aside because we had the message last week, never thought about it, but then I began to pick it up after the service. Because something inside of me, God was like, I want to do something. I'm like, okay, Lord, what do you want to do? And so I knew something about what he said and what he had already planted inside of me was going to come together, and it is. And so this is what I want to share with you of what God put in my heart. Um, I'm inviting every one of you, those of you that are watching online, those of you that are in-house, our two campuses that are going on, we've already addressed them as well with this. I'm inviting you, all of us, um, to hear this from God's word and hear what God's calling us into. See, I believe the word of God is true. See, I believe that when Jesus visited John, the apostle on the Isle of, Pat on the Isle of Patmos, and gave him the book of Revelation, I believe that when John was seeing the visions that Jesus was giving him, I do believe, I mean this, I believe John saw me in heaven. Because see, what God was showing him was future events. What is future history, so to speak. And so when, when John was seeing things and when he saw the crowds around the throne, I do believe I was there. I mean, <laughs> I believe the Bible and I know it's true. I'm staking my life and my eternal soul on it. And it has proven itself true time and time again, and it will again. It always will. 
So the Word of God tells us in that revelation that Jesus was giving to us through John, that there's coming a day that there's going to be a great feast in heaven. <laughs> it's going to be like a, a Thanksgiving feast, but God-size, right? And it's going to be way different. It's going to be way better. Okay, for one thing, you're all going to get along. All right. <laughs> but as we're, as we're looking at Revelation 19, listen to the word of God. This is so awesome. Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of a mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. Isn't that cool what John's saying? is like, whoa, man, there was this sound that came that was so magnificent and it roared in the heavens. Man, I'm like, I got chills again. I'm like, God, I've been in those stadiums. You know, I'm a, I'm a fan of a team in uh, the state of Michigan. I don't want to go there, but I'm saying I've been, in, I've been in that stadium where when everybody starts to cheer at once, like this, there's over 100,000 people there, and you're, it's like, it's amazing. The feeling, you feel it. Like you can stop for a second, but it's echoing around you. This is what's happening only, you know, multiple times over. John hears this and he said, I'm hearing this sound. And he's trying to explain it to us like, man, it was like a wave of the ocean when it crashes. You know how deafening it can be? Or the loud thunder. You know, we were getting that last night, just echoing through the, man, and he's like, this is what that sound was saying. Listen to it. Praise the Lord. For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear, for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. Amen. And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, these are true words that come from God. Church, we've been invited. <laughs> we have been invited to that, that table. There has been an invitation extended, and all of you that have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have RSVP'd, and you've got a place. Isn't that awesome? Man, that's so good. And what I love about all that, it's like, you know, the, then he's told like, hey, make sure you write this there. Make sure you say this too. These are the true words that come from God. These aren't just words given by John. These aren't just words. This is God speaking. And he's like, look, I have a place. A little name card. <laughs> Who are you inviting to the table, church? Who are you inviting to the table with you? This is where God's getting real with us. For God so loved the world. Everyone has sinned and fallen short, and everyone is invited into relationship with Him. Do you seriously not want those people that you love to be there? Those people that God has called you to, that He's placed you right beside them at work. Your barista that brings you coffee in the morning and knows your name, knows how you drink it. Do you know that God loves them? Do you know if they're 
RSVP'd yet? Who are you inviting to the table? And I'm like, Lord, you know, it's like, man, I'm so happy I'm in. That's all that, no, it's not all that matters. See, when we really believe what God's word says, we have to believe all of it. That some are going to go to heaven, some are going to go to hell. And if I believe that, then shouldn't I get a little more bold about who I'm talking to and inviting to be at the table with me? So as God's been breaking my heart about this, this is what he's telling me. He's like, hey, (laughs) this next week, church, I'm talking about from today till next Sunday. Um, he told me to buy a wedding tablecloth. This is what this is. It's made specifically for what it opens way out. I just took it out of the package. That's why it's wrinkled. It's going to be smoothed out and look beautiful. And <laughs> what we're going to do, anybody that wants to engage in this, I'm inviting you. God's inviting us. We're going to pray for at least one name. Now, I already had discussions with people after the last service because they already got a bunch of names of like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Listen, we're praying to God and asking him for one name that God himself wants you to intentionally pray for, speak with, and in his timing, invite them to know Jesus. I mean, like church, like this is not like... Um, Everybody bring everybody to church with you on this Sunday because Pastor Dave's going to invite them to know Jesus. No. This is God saying, who are you? You, you, and me inviting to the table. See, what we don't know, God knows. And God is dealing with people right now that you have no clue about. And don't just think you already know the name. No, you don't. No, you don't. It may very well be the last person on your list that God is dealing with and calling you to love, pray for, and intentionally reach out to with Jesus. You must know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you as we seek him and his direction and who it is that he's dealing with. Some of the most miserable people in your life are miserable because they're not right with God. So next Sunday, July 30th, 2023, we will have this tablecloth in the front of this church on the altar. And there's going to be red Sharpies right here all over it. And you're going to bring your body up here and you're going to pick up that Sharpie and you're going to write their name. You don't have to write both names, just their first names, fine. And I want you to write it on that table. And I'm saying like, Lord, This is the person I believe you are calling me to pray, talk, and invite to know Jesus right here. We're making a commitment to him. And we're putting a deadline on it. Not God, I believe that he's asked me to do this with all my heart, church. I want you to know that. We have a tablecloth that's going to the gospel rescue mission for their live stream. We have one that's being sent up to Village of Oak Creek because I want everybody participating. If you are online and you can't be here, text me their name. You know my number. If not, it'll be on the screen. It's 520-405-6929. Text me. Text that name. 
I want their name on this. And so here's the reason. We're going to take the names that are on that. And after the service next Sunday, we're going to hang it on that cross over there. Drape it right over that thing. See, Jesus died for them. (laughs) He wants them with him. He wants them to be with us, with him, together. Some of you watch the devotionals and some of you don't. You should all, not because it's me. I'm saying like Monday through Friday, we have a YouTube channel. Devotionals go out. They're only like two to three minutes. And you're going to be getting pictures of that as a reminder. I'm not going to talk about it every day. I don't think. I don't know what God's going to do. I don't, whatever. I'm just telling you, you're going to have that because it's going to be a reminder because what's going to happen is you see, Jesus died for them, so we're going to spend a month. We're going to spend from next Sunday, you're going to start this week by asking God their name, and it's going to be written down next Sunday. And so we're going to be praying, seeking God, and asking him to move through the month of August. So we're going to spend that month of August in prayer, asking the Holy Spirit what, when, and how. When do you want me to say it, Lord? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to reach them? You're going to have to listen. Because, you know, God may ask you to do some stuff for them that you didn't think you were going to have to do. He may ask you to go weed their yard without them knowing. Buy their car. I don't know. See, we have to be discerning to the Holy Spirit and allowing him to speak to us about that person because Jesus died for them. They matter. So we want to engage that person, whoever it is that God has laid upon our heart, in the way that God would lead us to engage them. So the reason for this is we're asking that God would save them (laughs) and use us in the process. Church, I, I know this. It's a tragedy. The vast majority of Christians today in the church of Jesus Christ have never led anyone to saving faith. Never. The vast majority of Christians have never done that. Now, that's not, I'm not downing people. I'm saying, look, man, what are we here for? We're called by God to share the good news with others so that they might come to know him. So we're not looking at the, the next calendar date, which I will give you as the day that everybody brings people so that Pastor Dave can preach Jesus and get them saved. No, it's God that does that work. And God wants to do it through us. And he wants to do it for them outside of church too. When you read the book of Acts, the majority of people were getting saved outside the church and then coming to the church. They didn't come to the church to get saved. Some did, some will, whatever. Let God do his thing. That's all we're saying. I may have messed up this date. I think August 27th is the last Sunday of August. I'll have to relook at that because I think I said, yeah, no, that's right. It is August 27th. So here's what's going to happen on that date as we're praying through the month and we're talking to people. You can invite them to church, of course. If they get saved here, you didn't mess up. It's okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Not everyone's going to get saved. Everyone has a free will. But we're going to do our part. And if they choose not to, that's on them. But on August 27th, on that Sunday, at every one of the campuses, Gospel Rescue Mission, Village of Oak Creek, and right here in this house, This tablecloth and those that are there are going to come back down off the crosses, 
It's going to cover the table. We're going to have communion together. And when we have communion together, our prayer is, Lord, let us go to the table together. That person you put in my heart, Lord, I'm praying right now that I will be able to walk down these very aisles or wherever you are on campuses, walk down those very aisles with that person to receive their very first communion as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that together as we come to that table, our hearts would be mended with the Holy Spirit and see God's work in action. See, we're in that season of mercy and grace and we're asking God to extend that through this season of time. God, I'm, I'm begging you. Please, Lord, let it happen. So, church, I'm asking you to pray with me. Believe with me. Let's be obedient to what God has called us to as ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are called by God to be this. You are called to be the light to the world because Jesus is in you. They need to see that. God will give you opportunity to share Jesus. He will. He always does. Remember, only God can save them. It's not us. It's not our work to save them. It's our call to share Jesus with them. And then they'll make that decision on their own. If you will accept this challenge from God today, I'm not looking around at you or trust me, I'm not, whether you engage it or not, that's between you and God. I'm just delivering the message. I'm engaging it myself, by the way. I am. I'm taking it serious for me. But if you'll agree with this and you'll accept this challenge, I'm going to ask you to stand wherever you are. And if you're physically unable to stand, you can just raise your arm. God knows what's going on. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you. The powerful name of Jesus. Life-changing name of Jesus. Oh, God, we're asking you right now for discernment, first and foremost, that we would hear from you, God. You know. You know the name. You know the person. We're asking you to give that to us, Lord. As we pray and seek you this week, make it clear and evident to us. Lord, we, <laughs> we want them to join us. Not only here at this table, but at the table when we're there with you, that we can all be a part of that great wave of sound of praise the Lord. <laughs> Lord, today, if anyone that is here that does not know Jesus as their Savior, I pray online, in-house, that they would come to know you today, to understand you love them, that you are offering this new life to them. Friends, the altar's always open. If you want to come forward yourself and pray, Seek the Lord. Find Jesus as your Savior. He's right here waiting for you. If you need to repent, start fresh. And whatever God's saying to you, just want you to respond to the Holy Spirit and do it. And no names are going to be written today. Let God give you that name. Let him affirm it. And next Sunday we'll do that. It's going to be up here. We'll have the Sharpies here, and you can just come up at any time next Sunday when you get here or after the service, whatever, and write that name down. We're going to do it as God directs us. So, Father, we love you. We thank you so much for today. 
Thank you for your amazing word. Thank you, God, that you have made a place for us. <laughs> thank you. We believe, we know, and we thank you. It is in the name that is above all other names, the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray these things. Amen, Lord. Amen. Thank you, church. God bless you today. Thanks for being here. Can't wait to see what God's doing. He's up to something. Amen. Thank you, Lord.